Welcome to a new season of Thrive. We are on show two of season two, and I am so excited about today's conversation. My name is Melissa Clark. I'm a professional counselor in the Dallas area, and my passion is helping you overcome challenges, process painful emotions, and understand your God-given identity. I am so glad you are here. I believe listening to this podcast will leave you feeling excited, educated, and empowered. We are in for a real treat because we get to hear from the amazing Allison Fallon. I almost say this like, I feel like I say this like every week, but I love this conversation so much. A little bit about Allie. She is a best-selling author and the founder of Find Your Voice, a community that offers workshops, coaching, editing, and support for anyone who wants to write a book. She herself has written and published 13 books and counting. She has coached hundreds of writers from total beginners to New York Times best-selling authors. She's hosted workshops all over the country and world and helped hundreds of thousands of people use writing as a tool for their own personal growth. In her book, The Power of Writing It Down, a simple habit to unlock your brain and reimagine your life. You guys, I feel like this book can transform your life. I know that's a big statement, but she has such practical, tangible things that I definitely feel like you guys need to run, not walk and get this book. I feel like it pairs so well with last time's interview with Hannah Brencher and fighting forward. I think when we incorporate the practical with the biblical, I just feel like it's so life-changing. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Allie. I want to welcome to the show, Allison Fallon. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's so fun. Super excited for today's conversation. And you wrote a new book, The Power of Writing It Down. And before we jump into that, I would love to hear a little bit about you. You have a really cool story of helping people find their voice and you've just done so many amazing things. So it's kind of awkward, but tell us all about you. (laughs) Well, I've been doing this work for uh, over a decade now, which is crazy to say. I don't feel old enough to have done anything for over a decade, but I got into it a little bit accidentally. I started out with on an education track. I got a degree in education, a master's degree, taught in the public school system in Portland, Oregon for a while. And there was just something inside of me during that time of my life that kept telling me this wasn't the right fit for me. And I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that before where you're like on a path and it seems like a great path, but you're like, there's something not right. This is not where I'm supposed to be. So in a totally illogical move, I quit my job and decided I was going to dedicate my time to writing a book. I didn't have a safety net really. I mean, I had some money and savings. I didn't have a backup plan. And honestly, this was in 2000 nine when I quit my job. So the economy was just like, why not? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the economy was barely recovering. So it wasn't like everybody could have a job. It was like, I have this really safe, secure job and I'm going to quit and leave and go do this other thing. So it wasn't super logical, but it turned out to be the right move for me. I struggled for a couple of years trying to figure out what that would look like and worked on this book that I was dreaming about that I knew I knew I wanted to write the book. I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know how I was going to find a home for it or get it published. But that journey over the next three years of getting that book down on paper and trying to get it published turned out to be the foundation of everything that I would do in my career moving forward. So it launched me into this world where I started helping authors uh, outline, write, edit, publish their books. 
And then that turned into this work that I'm doing that reaches far beyond authors now where I'm helping people to share their stories through the art of writing because it's an incredibly, incredibly, incredibly powerful way to understand yourself and understand your story and contextualize your life and decide how you want to tell the story to yourself and to other people and really to get a lot of healing when even when there might be some trauma or some difficult things that you've walked through, telling your story is a really great way to heal. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the counselor and me, I'm all about this. I recommend writing to my clients all the time. It's been instrumental in my own life and, you know, times of depression, anxiety, there's such yeah. power in writing it down. There's so much good stuff in your book, definitely including that in the show notes because you all like need to get this book. It's going to be, <laughs> I can just tell one of my favorite books of 2021, my favorite book, 2020 was atomic habits. And so I feel like this just really pairs nicely right behind it. Yes. Such a great message there. So, so many different ways for us to talk about the subject, but I want to get into the practicalities of this. You found that 20 minutes is the perfect amount of time clients I meet with, they, they feel like, you know, I, I don't have time to write it down. I don't have mm-hmm. hours and hours. And I tell them, no way, you don't have to spend hours and hours. Yeah. Um, why do you think 20 minutes is that magic number? Well, I actually didn't coin the 20 minutes thing. This is, this comes directly from the data and the research, which yeah. says that if you write for 20 minutes a day for four days in a row, you'll see the measurable benefits to writing in your life for up to six months. Wow. So to me, like, this is crazy. Like 20 minutes times four 80 minutes of your life can Mm -hmm. improve your immune system, reduce your anxiety, curb your depression, help you find more meaning in your life, increase your clarity, increase your confidence for up to six months. They see the benefits will stay. So I grabbed that time period directly from the research. Oh, I feel like 20 minutes times four, that's all it's going to take for me to see the benefits for six months. That's incredible. I also hear the flip side, which is like 20 minutes is a lot. (laughs) And it's true, you know, I mean, we're living in a post-pandemic world now. It's a little bit different, but especially before COVID hit, you know, carving 20 minutes out of your day to do just about anything when you're racing your kids to school and dropping them off at soccer practice and you've got to go to work yourself and you've got a presentation brief to prep for and you've got, you know, meals to cook and your family to feed and like all the things that we manage to do on a daily basis, coffee meetings, whatever else, <laughs> like our schedules are packed with things. So 20, carving out 20 minutes is no small feat. But what I always tell the clients that we work with is if you could carve out 20 minutes a day and it could save you time laying awake at night, worrying about that thing that you're not going to solve by worrying about it. If it could save you time trying to craft the text message to, to tell your family member that you're not going to make it for the holidays in the way that they wanted you to make it and agonizing for days over that sort of a, an exchange. You know, if you could have this practice that in only 20 minutes a day could help you understand yourself better, it could help mm-hmm. you feel more grounded and settled. It could teach you how to set better boundaries with people. In the end, it's going to save you hours and hours and hours and hopefully add years to your life. I was just thinking that. For just 20 minutes a day, to me, the exchange feels like an obvious one. And if we aren't able to do those 20 minutes, we probably need to look at prioritizing our life because we're probably contributing to a lot of stress, anxiety, which is only going to magnify. And I think that's what 20 this year has taught us. Like we cannot just be there. It takes a lot of preparation to be able to be a sane 
human being. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> and the other thing is too, if we lose our sanity, we lose everything else. So, you know, maybe you're superhuman and for a period of time, you can fit absolutely everything into your schedule and have no time for self-care or for self-reflection or for meditation or whatever it is you do to stay grounded. But if you lose your sense of sanity in all of this, you know, I mean, we've been living through not only a global pandemic, also economic crises, then living through one of the most historic elections of all time, you know, navigating all of the relational dynamics that come along with that, trying to figure out how we continue to take care of ourselves and we can't go to the gym in the same way that we used to, or we can't take a yoga class. So, you know, writing is just one of those tools that's always at our fingertips. And I mean, really, literally, yeah, it's always right there for us. So. And it's low cost. I mean, you can get like a 59 cent spiral and a thick pin, but I recommend getting something pretty. That way you enjoy the experience. But if you don't have any money, you could get started for like zero (laughs) dollars. Totally. I mean, so much of the important writing that I've done in my life has been on the back of a scrap piece of paper or on a cocktail napkin while I'm waiting for someone at the beginning of a meeting. Or, you know, now more often than not, I hate to admit this, but a lot of my little chicken scratch writing comes on my cell phone. It's in the mm-hmm. notes section on my, on my iPhone because it's always with me. So if I don't happen to have a pen and paper around and something comes over me and I know I need to get it down, I can put it in, in the phone and it's just really easy and right there. Mm-hmm. There's really no excuses. It's just really about those habits. Mm-hmm. And I, as I just said, like I'm really into habits. They estimate that up to 40% of our behaviors is automated, habituated, meaning that we have no idea what we're doing. We just kind of totally. fall into it. How can we create a, the power of habits with writing? Like what are some simple strategies that you've outlined in your book to help us for maybe the person that feels like, I don't know how to write things down to, yeah. I have like way too many words, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, so some of the most simple ways I talk about in the book about creating space for yourself and three different ways to create space, create space in your physical environment, mm-hmm. create space in your mental environment, and then mm-hmm. create space on your calendar. So starting with the physical environment, really simple tricks that you can use to start to trigger your brain to send you into that writing mode are things like just having like a a place in your house where you always do your writing. So maybe that's like a chair that's by a window where the sun streams in in the morning, or maybe it's a desk. For some people, their desk where they do their actual work doesn't work very well for them to do their Mm -hmm. creative work. So maybe it's not a desk for you. Maybe it's like the kitchen counter or, you know, we have at our house, we have this little breakfast nook with like this beautiful yellow table in it. And I love the way the lighting looks in that room in the morning. So that's a great spot to sit. If you're smiling, just even thinking about your yellow table. (laughs) Totally. It's such a bright, happy room. So Mm -hmm. I love sitting there to do my writing. And if you can associate your writing with that one space, you know, you can't always be in that space, but when you can be in that space, it reminds you that this is the place where we do our writing. It helps your brain come back to that, Mm -hmm. to that mindset. And then the second thing is creating space in your calendar. I tell people to schedule their writing time on your calendar the same way you would schedule anything else. So Whatever your system is, if you use a day planner, I use iCal, I'll literally type in the 20 minutes to my iCal and schedule it out the same way I would schedule out any other appointment. And part of that is practical. You know, I have a a team working for me and they'll put stuff on my calendar. So I know that if I don't put it on the calendar, that it's never going to get done. Yeah, it's (laughs) going to get taken by something else. But it's also just a brain trick. You know, if you had a doctor's appointment and you knew there was a cancellation fee, if you didn't show up to your doctor's appointment, 
what would you do? You'd put it on your calendar because you'd want to prioritize that thing and you wouldn't want to miss it. And then the only way that you'd skip that doctor's appointment is if you were sick or if there were an emergency. You wouldn't just be like, well, I'm not really feeling up to a doctor's appointment today, so I guess I'm not going to go. You would go because it's on your calendar and there's a cancellation fee and you've made this commitment to this other person to show up in that place at that time. And I think we should treat our writing with that same sense of reverence and commitment that mm. we put it on our calendar. And unless we're sick or unless there's some sort of family emergency, we show up to our writing time because this is our commitment to ourselves and to our own mental health and to our own well-being and to our own sanity. And it's just a promise that we make to ourselves that we come through on every single morning or every single time that we do it. And then the third thing is creating mental space. This actually, I think in the world that we're living in is probably the most challenging piece. I think that's definitely the hardest. I'm like, I, I cannot wait to hear what you have to say on this because I'm like <laughs> leaning in. I'm like, yes. Because yeah. it feels well, very, it feels very noisy. It feels very foggy. It feels very chaotic. Totally. And there's so much fear and it's hard, you know, whenever we're checking our bank account and it's like negative or we're having another fight with our spouse or our kids yes. are sick, you know, there's all these different things going on. And so to create that mental space, like how can we do that? Well, I think one of the most empowering things to realize and to remember is for some people, this will seem crazy. And for others, you'll be like, no, I know what you're talking about. Realize and remember that you have the power to create your mental space, no matter what's going on in your mm. external world. So it doesn't matter how crazy things get. There can literally be riots out your front door. The world can be falling apart. Economy is melting down. You know, spouse lost a job. You're fighting with your kids. Your kids are fighting with each other and you can still find a way to create mental space for yourself. It is a muscle that you exercise. And so if you haven't exercised that muscle before, just like any muscle, it atrophies and it will feel, when you hear me say that, you'll think that's impossible. There's no way. Too hard. Totally. But as you, you know, you start with a five pound weight, you don't start with a hundred pound weight and you just start lifting. And over time, the muscle does get stronger and you realize that you have the capacity to push out that mental noise and to create a space, a white space for yourself. And this is where the, the thing about this that's so important is that white space is where creativity is born. Mm. It's where innovation happens. It's where all our best ideas come from. So if we're going to have the strength, the power, the leadership, the confidence to create a new world to live in for ourselves and for our kids, we have to get good at creating that mental white space. Writing is an amazing way to do it because it forces us. You can't write without creating that space first. <laughs> So you know if you're getting writing done, it's because you're doing a good job of creating that space. And because this has been a habit and a discipline for me in my whole life, I'm pretty good at creating mental space for myself, even when things around me are very chaotic. Now, I will say 2020 has been a nutty year, and there have been plenty of times where I have reached, you feel yourself reach the end of your capacity. It's like, oh, like I was lifting a 20-pound barbell, and I was doing pretty good at that, and then someone handed me 25, and I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, that hurts. This mm -hmm. is not working as well as I'm used to it working. And I've done a bunch of repetitions and now I'm out of energy for the day. So what I remind myself when I feel that is that this is an opportunity to grow. It's not that it's impossible to, you know, create mental space inside of an environment that's very chaotic, like 2020 has been. It's just that this is like, like a daily doubles is what's coming to mind. Like remember like in high school and you had to yeah. do like two workouts in one day and mm -hmm. your coach is like running you around the track and you feel like you're going to, you're going to throw up. It's like uh, getting you in shape for the season, right? So we have an opportunity in 2020 rather than to say like, what a wash of a year, forget it. I guess we'll just start over in 2021. We have this option to choose to look at 2020 like an opportunity to get in shape for whatever's coming. Cause we actually don't know what's coming next year. Mm -hmm. 
it really is an opportunity and writing is a powerful way to see those shifts. Is that why you feel like this is different than other like self-help positive thinking types of thing? Like how do, how do you feel like writing really sets itself apart from maybe the person who has like a, a bookshelf full of like, do yes. this five steps okay, to yeah. this. Um, why do you feel like this is so different from all these other methods? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one is because you know, as much as I would love to say, like, this is a proven path. This is not a proven path. This is your path, which will look different than my path, which will look different than someone else's path. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, we're the only ones who can find a way through the mess of our story to make sense of things. And writing is your way to find your own path through the mess of your own specific story that nobody else has ever lived to make sense and to make meaning out of it in a way that feels helpful for you, which will be totally different than how someone else does it. So to me, a lot of the self-help stuff that I read, not all of it, there's plenty of self-help out there that's really actually helpful, but a lot of it I read is more shame inducing than helpful because someone says like the seven step simple process to, you know, like having the best marriage of your life. And then you might be in a marriage where you're like, I'm doing the steps and this Mm -hmm. is not working for me. And it's just because that author isn't you and they're not living your story and they're not inside of your life and your life your decisions, your day-to-day is totally different from what they're experiencing. So how could they have the wisdom that would like unlock all of the beauty that's inside of you and inside of the life that you were called to live? Because they're not you. So what I hope I've offered with this book is a way for you to engage in your own story, your mm-hmm. own set of circumstances, to start to unpack the the wisdom about your life that's buried in you. Like, I don't have the wisdom for your life. How could I possibly have that? I'm not living in your shoes. So I'm hoping that this book offers people a handhold so that they can start to- It does. I never felt any shame throughout it. I felt like that that hand, like you said, like, all right, here's what we need to do to to go through it. And I'm always kind of like watchful for that. You know, yeah. um, cause I'm very selective of the books that I recommend for my clients and people that I love and work with. And so that idea that if you, if we just do five simple steps, we're just hopscotching over everything. Totally. And then it becomes so taking true. an Advil. Then the Advil wears off. We get another headache. We have to take yeah. more Advil <laughs> and over time we build up a tolerance and then our bodies like stop. It doesn't like the Advil. It's and so, so true. So this idea of engaging is like so important. So can you dig in a little bit to that? Like, how can we engage with our story? Like, what does that really look like? And what if we do that? What do we do if that's like super painful? Yeah, it usually is super painful, especially if you have something, if you're used to doing the Advil, taking the Advil approach, then when you stop taking the Advil, the headache's going to come back. And there's a really common phrase in the therapy world. I'm sure you've heard it and used it that you have to feel pain in order to heal it. You have to feel it Mm -hmm. if you want to heal it. And I'm a huge believer in that, that, and writing is one way that we can feel the pain in order to heal it. The beauty of the writing process, this is my favorite part about it, is that you have your hand on the dial of how much of it you want to feel at a time. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to feel it all at once. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a terribly traumatic experience from your life, or maybe a terribly traumatic period of time in your life, and you're not ready to you know, dive into the deep end and experience all of that all at once. With a tool like writing, you can start by just processing one little piece of it. And I, the, the analogy I use in the book is metabolizing. Like mm-hmm. you're going to take it in, you're going to metabolize it the same way that your body would metabolize food. So you're going to break it down into pieces. You're going to pull out 
what's good for you and what you can use as nutrients and you're going to discard the waste. And truly when you do this, you know, um, so my personal experience with this came about five years ago now. I had been working with clients around using the power of writing down their story to create healing in their lives. And and then my life exploded and fell apart in 2015. Mm -hmm. End of 2015. Actually, it was November 19th of 2015. So it was almost Mm -hmm. exactly a year ago or five years ago to the day. I uncovered uh, some information about my, at the time, my husband uh, that just was like the single thread I pulled on that unraveled the rest of the sweater and realized that nothing I had believed to be true about my life was actually true. My, I lost my, my marriage, my business, my house, my dog, my everything was like every, just when I thought I had lost everything that I could lose, I would lose something else. And it was a really, really challenging, heartbreaking, awful time for me. But what I did in the aftermath of that time was the same thing that I had been teaching my clients to do for so many years. I sat down and I wrote about it and I didn't write about it all at once, but I just started writing about the experience of losing my dog, for example, which Mm -hmm. was really tragic. It wasn't the most tragic thing of the whole circumstance, but it was definitely very tragic. So hard. So I started writing about little small pieces of it. And what I would find is not only would I see, I would be able to uncover how I truly felt about the situation. Mm-hmm. Felt like there were so many other places in my life where people were like trying to help me look on the bright side. <laughs> you know, like think about toxic, this, you can get toxic. another dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 Positivity. Yes. And in my writing was a place where I could be as negative and critical and judgmental and mean to my ex-husband as I wanted to be. And nobody was stopping me from saying that. There was something really deeply cathartic, honestly, about putting it on the page exactly the way that it was. And what I tell writers is there's something really healing about seeing the truth, especially because what's true now doesn't have to stay true. Mm. Like at the time, I would say things like, I hate him. I hate him so much. I hate his, you know, whatever I would say. That's not true anymore. I don't feel any hate in my heart toward him. I feel nothing but joy and gratitude, honestly, that I sacrificed a life that wasn't that great and that I wasn't that happy with for one that I'm so happy with now. But it was really an important part of the process for me to put into exact words what was true for me at the time, mm-hmm. because it couldn't transform until I said it the way that it, that it was. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, until I spoke the truth, it couldn't transform. So that's really, you know, one of a thousand things I could say about the power of the writing process. If you're working through something really painful and challenging is it's like, there's this feeling, I'm sure you've had this where, you know, maybe you get an email in your inbox that just like makes you furious and you type out a response, like (laughs) just like a gut level, like angry response. Mm -hmm. And maybe you never send the email. Maybe you have the, the, uh, like wherewithal to be like, I don't want to send that. This is going to blow up, blow up this relationship. But there's something about putting it into words, isn't there? That just feels really good. You're like, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to say. Even if you don't ever send, send the email to the person. And the power of writing your story is really similar. There's something really helpful, healing, transformative, relieving about putting Mm -hmm. the exact right words to your your set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. I feel like this, when you said the exact right words, our amygdala, the emotional part of our brain, when you use the exact identifier of what you're feeling, it helps yeah. to calm it down. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I feel that viscerally when I do it, there's something about putting it on the paper that you're like, yeah, that's it. And then it's mm-hmm. almost like you could walk away from it, you know, which is why we were talking about earlier, like you don't have to have a special journal or anything to write in. In fact, you could write on a scrap piece of paper and you could rip it up and throw it in the garbage and you'd still get all the benefits of writing because you don't need to go back and look at it. It, it does its work 
as you're doing it served its purpose. Mm -hmm. So do we, can you type it out? Have you seen that typing it is okay? Do we need to handwrite it? Like how do we actually go about writing down our story? Do we do it chronologically? Do we just do it as it's up? Like what are some tried and true practices to get us going? That's a great question. So as far as writing it down versus typing it, the research shows that it's slightly better for your brain to write with pen and paper. Mm-hmm. I always say the difference is slight enough that if it's going to stop you from doing it to have to write with pen and paper, then just do it on your computer. That's fine. It's not, you know, it's not going to be like a stark difference, but if you get excited about the idea of going and getting a beautiful journal and the nicest pen that you can find. You know, I'm kind of a geek like that. I love my (laughs) perfect pen that doesn't smudge and whatever. So if you get excited about that, then go do that. It's kind of like when you start a workout routine routine and you want to go buy a new outfit because it, if you look cute, go for it. (laughs) Yeah. it It like motivates you to get, get moving. So if getting a new journal and a new pen does that for you, then great, do it. It's going to be worth it. But if not, And if it's easier for you to type, if, you know, for so many of us, our brains now move faster than we can write with pen and paper. So if it's easier for you to type, then just type a lot of my divorce story and the story of moving on from that season of my life, I typed. It was just like so much was happening all at once and I really needed to get it down. And I didn't have, I also had, I'll say this because I'm sure that this is true for some of your listeners. For so long in my marriage, I didn't feel like I could write things down and leave them sitting around because I didn't feel like I had a sense of privacy in my home. Wasn't I was safe. worried. Yeah, I was worried that he would find it and read it. And then I would, you know, whatever would happen, the fallout from whatever he had read. And so there was something about typing it and having it on my computer that felt, it was always on my person. It felt safer. And maybe it's not safer. I don't know, because stuff gets stored in the cloud. But <laughs> I guess the point is whatever it feels felt safer, safest to you, do that. And then you asked about chronological. Yeah. You do not have to tell a story chronologically. In fact, I think a really powerful method for getting in a regular practice of writing is a method that Julia Cameron's coined called um, uh, Morning Pages. Yeah. She talks about this in a book called The Artist's Way, which is a fantastic book. And a lot of my work has been, I owe a lot to her because it's been born out of the work that she did. She laid the groundwork for, for so much of what I'm doing. But the idea of Morning Pages is just a brain dump. So it's stream of consciousness. It's whatever's going on in your brain in the morning. It's a really great way to get started and engage in this process if you're new to it, because your brain will find all kinds of reasons to avoid your writing practice. And I would hate for one of the reasons to be like, well, I don't really know where to start. And what is the beginning of the story? And am I going to mess that up? And is the grammar going to be okay? Morning pages are an excellent way to overcome all of those mental obstacles because literally she says about morning pages that you should write and then throw them into the garbage can or write and rip them up or write and then burn them because you never have to go back and look at them. (laughs) It's, it can be like, gibberish. It could be about your dreams last night. It could be, you know, you could say over and over and over again, like, what a terrible day. (laughs) What a terrible day. What a terrible day. She says, Julie Cameron says, sometimes we have to like dump the garbage can out before we can get to the good stuff that's in our brain. And that's the idea of morning pages is that it's kind of like dumping out the negativity. Another thing that I love that she says is you can only be, she says morning pages should be about three pages long. She's or 40 minutes. And she says, you can only stand your own negativity for about 40 minutes before you get sick of yourself and get over it. And I have found that to be so true with morning pages that I'll, I'll be like, what a terrible day. What a, you know, after 40 minutes, you're just like, wow, what a whiner I am. My goodness. (laughs) It's time to move on. Do you feel like that's what makes a difference in the mood? Like, is that like maybe part of the secret sauce of it is being able to access our emotions instead of hiding from it? Like, what do you feel like from a scientific point of view? Cause I'm all about the science of yes. our mood. Like 
how do you feel like writing really makes that difference to maybe lower depression or lower anxiety? And like you say so, in the book, like still take the medicine. Like we're not, I'm not, we're not here to like make major yes. changes, but adding things in that can make a big difference. Yeah. There are a couple of things that I think are, are really powerful. Number one is we as human beings are meaning making machines. Yes. We want to make meaning out of our lives. In fact, the, you know, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning is all about how our happiness depends on our ability to make meaning of our circumstances. Yeah. And writing is a powerful way to do this. So even just on a day-to-day basis, when we, especially as adults, when we get into this busy, like, like rat race, like you feel like you're running on the hamster wheel, constantly people needing things from you, you've got to pay your mortgage. It's so easy in the day-to-day to start to feel like life is meaningless. I'm just here. I'm working, I'm paying my bills. I pick up my kids. I drop them off. What am I even doing? What am I here for? And as you write on a daily basis, you will start to see patterns, predictable patterns, and you'll start to see how you're telling your story to yourself. And, you know, the first step in the process may just be that you start to see that you, you aren't finding a lot of meaning in your story, but through the act of writing, you can start to put meaning to what's happening to you. And that in and of itself is is an inevitable mood booster. Mm -hmm. So just as we start to see that like, you know, over time, maybe you're journaling about something that's going on with one of your kids. It's been really, you've been in the daily grind of it. It's been really frustrating. You feel like it's never going to change. It's never going to get any better. As you read back in your writing, you'll notice that things aren't the same every day. They are changing. Your child is making progress. They're getting, you know, older every day. They're growing up every day. They're getting more mature every day. They're the, your, the hard work you've put into this really is paying off. And as you start to see that progress, it will, like I said, creating meaning from our stories is an inevitable mood booster. So it will be mood boosting just to notice that happening as you're writing about it. The other thing that happens is, so I talk about this and this is a funny thing for me to talk about on your show because you probably know way more about this. I'm like at like a kindergarten level of explaining it, but I talk about the cognitive behavioral model and how this idea that our thoughts lead to feelings, which lead mm-hmm. to actions or reactions, which lead to like the results that we get from our lives. So a lot of times we're getting a negative result in our life or a result that we would prefer not to get, but we don't understand why we're doing it. And we attach because all we see is our reaction or our response and the result. We're confused about why we're acting in the way that we're acting. Like maybe you find yourself like drinking three glasses of wine at night and getting a headache in the morning. And you're like, I'm never doing that again. And then the next night you do it again. And you're like, why did I do that? Why am I drinking three glasses of wine at night, even though I know that I don't like the way that I feel the next morning? But all you're looking at is the reaction and the result, the reaction, the result. And if we can back it up and look at the thought process Mm -hmm. that created the feeling, that created the reaction, that created the result, then we can get a better sense, a, a much better understanding of ourselves and of our actions and of the subconscious thought process that's driving our behavior. And writing is a really great way to do this. Writing forces us to drop into our subconscious brains. So what comes out on the page is usually what's, it's usually the subconscious thought that's buried under the conscious thought. So you could tell yourself all day long, like, I hate it when I do that. I'm going to quit drinking three glasses of wine at night. But until you back it up and figure out what's the feeling that you're feeling. Yeah. And what's the story you're telling yourself that's making you react in that way. It's going to be, if not really challenging, it'll be impossible to change your behavior. So through a process like writing, we can actually uncover that subconscious story we've been telling ourselves over and over and over again and reroute the story, change the story, and then we start to see an inevitable change in our behavior. So those are the two things I would say, creating meaning out of our lives and then also uncovering the subconscious thought processes that are driving our behavior. 20 minutes, four times a week, 
up to six months of impact. Yes. I know. It seems like a no brainer, right? (laughs) Well, we are all starting out our new year as you guys are listening to this. And so there's never, you're never too late to start something. And it's all about the small little changes. So definitely start by getting Allison's book. Where can we find you? I feel like you and I could like nerd out together all day long (laughs) because it's so good. Um, But where can we find you? A great place to find me is on Instagram because you can follow along, get like book info and I do writing prompts there and follow my stories. So at Allie Fallon on Instagram, you can also find us at findyourvoice.com. Love it. And you can purchase the book anywhere books are sold. It's Amazon, Target, Walmart, all of the above. Get the book. It's so good. All right. Thank you, Allie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me this week on Thrive, Mental Health and the Art of Living Free. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you did, be sure to share it with a friend and add some stars to the rating, type in a simple review and meet me back here in two weeks because we're meeting every other week now for another amazing interview. Take care and have a great week.